Kia ora and welcome to the Take Your Meds podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Rose. I'm a trauma recovery coach and founder of No New Things and Ritual, my online programs that transform your inner world. Season two of the podcast is all about the new paradigm of leadership. I've called in some pretty extraordinary millennials to chat this through esoteric, philosophical, spiritual, indigenous, and creative lenses to shift your mindset. Let's go. Kia and welcome to the Take Your Meds podcast. I am so excited to be sitting down with Rachel Bauer today. Uh, I've known Rachel for, geez, how many years? Six, seven, eight? Yeah. Yeah. It's been Something a, like that. Nearly a decade. <laughs> Let's go with that. Nearly a decade. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, what's really moved me about who Rach is, is who she is in her energy. It's who she bees. And she has really been such an incredible influencer and mentor and friend in my life. She is a mother. She is a business owner and she sits on not-for-profit boards providing governance in the community sector. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with Rach today because I know it is going to be a transmission from the heart And I know that she carries so much embodied wisdom within her space, within her mind, body, spirit. So kia ora, Rach, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for saying yes to this. (laughs) Thank you for asking. Like such a privilege to be asked. Um, It's such a special space to come into. So yeah, Mm. I'm really, um, I really honor it. And I'm excited to be here and see what unfolds for our corridor today. Yay! I'm so excited. I've got like so much excitement energy today. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to start the episode with a card that I've pulled from the Starseed Oracle deck and it is called I Remember. This beautiful visual here. Beautiful. And the card says Soul Plan, the fated life versus the destiny life. And so I'm just going to read out what the invitation is here from the book. And the invitation for everyone listening is to just notice how your body feels around the words. If there's like a word that is shared that like, I don't know, you notice something in your gut or something up your back or something in your head, just notice that as an invitation for curiosity. And I would so love to hear, Rach, for you, what lands in this and what feels timely and relevant with where you are right now. Mm, let's see. Oof. Uh, so I remember there was a moment before you were born when you chose the conditions of the life you're living right now, when you plotted out these exact moments along the timeline of your life. We live in a world of free will. And therefore, these moments become our destiny only through saying yes. The fated life is the one we were born into. The destiny life is the one our soul chooses. And it takes courage and faith. If you pull this card, it's because you're likely now face to face with the choice to follow the destiny life over the fated life. To trust the path your soul is calling you toward. And to remember that this moment was prearranged on your life's timeline. You may find yourself at a crossroads. At a moment when you're being called to make a decision to keep walking the perfectly laid out path before you or choose the one less traveled. 
You may be facing a career, a change of career, a new relationship, a difficult decision, or something else that requires courage and faith. You're being invited to remember your soul's greater plan and to surrender to it. When you're confronted with a path that's undefined, it's normal for doubt to rear its head. In fact, this is a certain sign that you're facing your soul's greater plan. Every hero in his or her life's journey comes eye to eye with doubt. The only way around it is through. It's all part of the larger plan. What are you being called to do to surrender to your soul's plan? Wow. <laughs> where, do you, where do we start? <laughs> yeah, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so much. Do you want me to just dive in? Let's go. What feels okay. alive for you? So just before we started recording in that, um, I was talking around surrendering and surrender came up in that. Like to me, and it's funny, I was, I was thinking about this this morning, about how surrender can be perceived as a negative thing. Like, the, you know, the whole white flag, I surrender, you win kind of thing. Whereas I don't perceive surrendering like that. I perceive surrendering as being like, being in flow in the moment with what is happening. Um, so rather than trying to control or drive something a certain way in the moment to just say, like to me, it's surrendering is to say in this moment, this is what's happening and I'm going to go with that and flow with it rather than create friction by going against it. Um, and it's just the way that I've thought, yeah, it wasn't until this morning where suddenly I kind of went, I suppose surrender could be perceived as a really, like it could have really negative connotations around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, hopefully maybe that um, perception on surrender um, mm-hmm. is a bit different for people. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, that whole card was about, for me, what really came up was living the life that you want to live versus living the life that society, family, so, like cultural conventions, whatever it is, mm. tries to make, like force you into. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's really come through for me probably since my mid-twenties where there's been friction around the choices I've made in my life versus the choices people think I should have made in my life mm-hmm. um, and more so in becoming a mum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like it's just this, like it's just endless. Um, mm. You know, I co-sleep. Co- co- I, co- I still breastfeed my two-year-old. He doesn't mm. go to daycare. Like he's at home with me 24-7. Like there's all these things that Sean and I have chosen as his parents. And in a lot of cases I've chosen as his primary caregiver that don't fit current societal views. Um, but I am so comfortable in myself and in my in my instinctual decision making that I I've gotten to a point now where I still doubt it sometimes, but nowhere near as much as I used to. Like it's minuscule now, the times that I doubt it versus what it would have been, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where that card led me as well. Um, so, you know, living your life for you and your soul's purpose rather than for others and what they believe your life should look like. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's <laughs> right in the deep end at the start. I love this. going to be such a juicy episode. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I love, I love what's come through for you there. And I feel like I'd just love to explore, I guess, that word surrender, like, 
I know for me with my journey, it has been so difficult to let go of control, to truly let go because mm-hmm. it's like, well, then what, you know? Mm-hmm. And well, where do you anchor in the letting go? And how, how do you still be self-determining and how do you still manifest and how do you still, you know, be here making a difference in the world? But I'd mm-hmm. love to hear from your point of view. Like if you had a recipe to transition Ooh. from holding on tightly and needing to have this like need to know vibe mm-hmm. about everything into surrendering. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's your take on that? How would we get there? Small steps. Like it is really small steps. And, you know, you said before about, you know, learning to trust that, you know, what you manifest. And I think for me, that was massive learning that, like, I mean, there is multiple pieces to it. There's learning. If I try to control something, is it really serving me? Mm. Um, you know, what is the end outcome of that? And what does my journey look like on that? And what does the end outcome look like? Like, if I'm trying to control it, does it mean I'm not enjoying the journey? And I might get to the end that I that I was hoping for, or I may still not get to the end that I was hoping for, and I haven't enjoyed the journey. Mm. Um, but then also learning to trust and just trust that, if I put it out into the universe, the cosmos, the whatever you want to call it, what it is that I truly want to bring into my life that that will be provided to me. Mm. Um, and and starting with small you know, starting with small things and learning just to let go of little things and then growing from there. Um, and just having like for me, intent and, and gratitude are really key. Um, because if, if the universe knows the things that I'm grateful for, it's going to provide me with me with more of those things. Mm. And if, and if I go into my day with the intent of what, um, like the big intent, not the trying to control the little things, but the big intent of, you know, I want to enjoy the day. I want to have fun today. I want to be really productive today because today I've got heaps of work, like whatever your intent is to set that. Um, and to know what your purpose for the next hour or the day or whatever it is, is for you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I think that it is, it is really small steps. Um, and just bringing some mindfulness to things, having awareness, thinking, you know, looking at, at, at what's happening or has happened in your life and how you got to where you are and having some awareness around it. You know, those things probably didn't just happen by by luck like there would have been some intent there from you um but also there was an element of something bigger than you helping you get there Mm. um like when I look at my life and where it is it's way bigger than just me way bigger (laughs) Um, yes that resonates yeah like Everything, everything, you know, like it, even little things. Like I remember for ages, I was like, oh, you know, I'd really love a V-dub golf. So materialistic, but we're going to go there. So I really love a V-dub golf, you know, super cool little car. And then I was like, oh, you know, I've got a kid. Maybe I should get an Audi wagon. Like that would be quite cool. And then, you know, work car craps out, go and get a V-dub wagon, the best of both worlds. And it was Mm -hmm. like the universe was like, you've been telling me that this is, you know, you've been putting it out there that this is the sort of thing that you'd like. Here you go. Um, You know, and obviously that's very materialistic, but just like think, like looking at the things in your life, you know, like I, 
you know, manifested for my partner. Um, I wrote on the fridge the words that, that, that the person that I was going to be with, you know, that, that they had within them, the sorts of characteristics and traits, um, and, you know, really manifested for it. And, you know, and then he came into my life at the craziest time and everything just fell into place like it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've got a beautiful family together. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah. I love I love these reflections. It's so good to hear you really speak language into your own lived experience. Like that surrender piece is just so challenging for a lot of us to get our head around, like our heads around. I'm like, what you know, I hear that word and I hear manifest, but what does that really mean? And I think you've given us like a really practical looks like sounds like it's baby steps. It's doing a little bit. It's holding an intention and having mindfulness about a specific direction. And it's just learning to to focus more on well, what I'm hearing you saying is like learning to focus more on what is the energy of who you're going to be on the journey. And that's mm. really landed for me because that's absolutely how I feel. Like the energy of who I be is my priority. Yeah. There is nothing more important for me in like looking after myself so that I can look after Malachi and that I can run my business and be part of the communities I'm a part of is like doing an energy check where I used mm-hmm. to focus so much on a particular outcome or activity yeah. or milestone and like murder myself to achieve it. Now I'm like vibe check multiple times mm-hmm. a day. And if it does not align with my current values framework, it's actually going and clearing out space in my diary so I can go and recalibrate my energy back into who I yeah. be on the journey, you know? And I loved hearing you put words to that because that was such a great way to phrase it. And that's just that, like, I want to enjoy the journey. I don't just want to think about, I don't want to constantly be focused on where I need to be. Like, there is a time and a place for that. Like, there is a time and a place for all things. But I actually want to enjoy each moment as much as possible of my day. I mean, there's always going to be moments that, that, you know, are harder or, you know, create other feelings. But I want to enjoy my life and the journey of it as much as possible. Um, And one of the other things that kind of came up with me just hearing you reflect back on what I said was Vipassana. I mean, to go and do that and learn that you create your own misery through craving and att- or attachment. So quite often I'll bring that, like I'll be, I'll bring that into my thinking and be like, okay, Rach, what are you craving or what are you feeling attached to? Because that's bringing your misery in right now. Mm. You know, am I feeling attached to a certain idea, um, a, a, a relationship, a whatever it might be? Um, yeah, or am I craving something that isn't currently in my life and through craving it, I'm not being present because I'm thinking about something over there. I'm not being in this moment and that's creating my own misery. Oh, um, craving. So craving and attachment creates misery. Yeah, you create your own misery through craving or attachment. Oh, my God. Like, like that was the whole premise of Vipassana and I just – like it's drummed into you for 10 days and it is one of the the biggest lessons that I've learned that has remained ingrained in my life almost daily. Um, I yeah, love that. Just After this, amazing. I'm going to put that on a post-it note and <laughs> put it on my mirror and I'm going to have a serious conversation with myself, I think. <laughs> um, I love that. Thank you. 
And oh, Vipassana, I would so, so love to be able to go and do. And I actually applied not so long ago, not so long ago, maybe a couple of months ago. And I was so inspired by hearing the impact it had on you and your journey. And they declined my application because I have had uh, psychosis before. And yeah. so it was absolutely devastating, but mm. I feel like, you know, that door closed and another one opened and that has been with breath work. And mm -hmm. I feel like breath work has been absolutely incredible for me to really, you know, explore other modalities that are really um, outside of my cultural norm, I guess, mm. <laughs> to support me with deeper healing. But Yeah, really interesting that you can't do it if you've had psychosis or schizophrenic um, symptoms. Yeah, which is really, yeah, it's really sad because there's so many people who wouldn't be able to go and experience it. I mean, I, yeah, they don't have trained professionals there. It's all run by volunteers and I get that. Yes. But there should be a way for it to be inclusive for everyone, um, like all things in life. So, yeah, it's yeah. a real shame. It's one day, sis, one day. It. Yeah, one day. <laughs> who knows? I don't. I actually want to look into like, can you get reassessed with a clinical diagnosis when it's been like so long? Mine was like twelve years ago, you know, and I've like invested so mm. much into shifting what that paradigm means for me, and you can see that in the fruit of my life. So I'm just like, just mindful of that. I don't know. Well, Do exactly. Know? I mean, if you if you look at the diagnosis and the outcomes that they said that you would have and the the life that you would live and where you're at now, like they are complete polar opposites. <coughs> so absolutely. So I don't, I, I mean, I'd love to think that you can, I don't know, like it's not something that I've looked into, but if you can't, there's something wrong in the system. There's something wrong in society mm. because someone Like you can, yeah, I mean, someone can change drastically one way and the other way. Mm. And just because a label has been put on someone, they shouldn't have to live with that label hanging over their head for the rest of their life and potentially limiting their options like it has done for you with Vipassana. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'd love to think that you can, but then I'm also a little bit dubious because, you know, yes. hello, look at what's happening in America. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And and perhaps too what I'm feeling right now is just like surrender. It's like the mm. door didn't open, you know? Mm. So it'll let happen it go when and if it's and it flow, that's it. One thing that's really present for me right now, just talking about this mental health stuff, is like mm. something I heard recently on the Beyond Borderline podcast, which was we aren't mentally ill, we're spiritually starved. And this felt so true in my body when I heard it and I reflected on my 12 years of trauma recovery and mental health recovery and all of the recoveries. Mm. Um, and I was just curious in this moment to see how that felt for you and what your views were on spiritual starvation. Oh, absolutely. Um, I totally agree. And, you know, I mean... <laughs> You know, there's, there's this this whole dialogue around how we frame up mental illness. It's not that I am mentally ill. It's that, I, you know, I have experiences. Um, you know, I am not anxious, but I experience anxiety. So it's mm. taking that ownership of it away. Um, but the more that I have stepped into spiritual work um, and other other ways of connecting to myself, 
um, connecting to the, you know, people who, the people and energies who look over me, um, even just things like connecting into my instinct, connecting into my own intuition, um, the better that my mental health has been. Um, for a long time, I didn't trust myself and I questioned myself and doubted my own knowledge of myself and what was going on. And I've really done a lot of work into trusting myself and my intuition and my gut. And that has definitely made a difference. Mm. Um, but I mean, you know, we as a, we often, these in our kind of society, um, we don't, um, we don't promote, you know, intuition and, um, you know, talk, you know, connecting in with your higher self. We, mm-hmm. It's not something that's that's spoken about. It's not something that we're, we're educated about. Um, either you, you know, take part in, in a part of certain religious groups or you're not and then you don't have any connection to, you know, any higher self um, mm-hmm. in my experience. And the more that you allow yourself to have that connection, the deeper that your understanding becomes um, and that can only be good for your mental health. Mm. Um, and I think you just look through, you know, look through the timeline of humankind um, and the more disconnected we've become from our higher self because we've become ingrained in these cultural and societal norms, the worse our mental health has become mm-hmm. uh, because we're no longer Take like if you go back to the beginning of this of what we were talking about, we're no longer listening to ourselves and making decisions for our own soul's life path, but we're actually making decisions based on what the people around us, our culture, our society, our family, our friends think mm. we should be. You know the decisions we should be making, and that's creating angst and friction within yourself, mm-hmm. um, which is terrible for your mental well being. Totally. Um, I totally yeah. agree. That's, that's, I guess that felt sense on what misalignment is where you're kind of living out a version of yourself that you don't mm-hmm. really realize has been a set of programs and conditions that have brought mm-hmm. you to the way that you are. And if, like you say, you don't really practice mindfulness or awareness or actually make it part of your lifestyle to reflect mm-hmm. and observe and come off autopilot that you won't actually notice those programs. Mm -hmm. You won't notice the conditioning or the beliefs, but you'll feel like something's off. There'll be a misalignment of some kind. Mm -hmm. And I just, I really want to honor you for sharing what you shared around that connection to the higher self. I feel like, you know, for me and my journey, the connection back with the authentic self is, I guess, a turn of phrase that feels true for me, that there's kind of Mm -hmm. been what feels like a soul retrieval of sorts mm-hmm. where it's like pulling back all of the mental layers, the, the egoic conditions that have pushed me so far away from my bridge into my spirit. And actually in that soul retrieval, realizing that I'm not broken, I'm not crazy, and that I have had really normal and natural responses to abnormal environments. And to really be able to come to this place of peace and to liberate myself from shame has been life-changing because it's like, you're actually all good, sweetie. You know, Mm -hmm. like you're actually all good. And the more that you make those decisions that align with, like you say, your instinct and your intuition and what feels true, good and right for you. And you practice that discernment. 
the more at ease things feel. It's not easy, but there is like mm. an energy of ease in how I play with life, I guess. Um, and I just think it's such an important conversation to have the spiritual starvation in this kind of westernized, colonized, medicalized models and, and culture that we live in. So I, lo- I love culture, this chat. And a culture where autopilot is the norm, you know, mm. like it is the norm and people like us who are going, actually, is that the life I want to live are potentially pushed to the outside because it's not sitting within the, 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 the rules of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's scary to think how many people are living their lives on autopilot, feel a nudge of that misalignment, like you said, like, but then it's just like they just get up every day, do the same thing. And, mm-hmm. and don't have an awareness because they've never been taught or, or given the knowledge that they can actually question it and that mm-hmm. this isn't the only way. Um, yes. Like I feel so grateful for the experiences um, and the life that I've lived to allow me to question mm-hmm. and say, actually, is that aligned for me? Is that the right way for me to go? And mm. no, it's not. I'm going to go this way. And that's mm. okay. I don't have to go down that well-routed path. I can go on this, you know, create a new path over here. Yes, um, and you live and breathe that. You know, that's not lip service. That is like you live and breathe that, which I think is so incredible. You. Yes, and like so inspiring to witness, you know. I remember you said to me one time, I think you're a beer, not a doer. <laughs> and I was like, I was thinking in my head, fuck you, I've got so many things to do. I love doing things, you know. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, now I'm like, yes, Rach, what else do you see? (laughs) But do you know what's funny is that the friend of mine who first brought that into my consciousness, when she did that, I resisted it as well. And Mm. I was like, nah, like, bees don't get shit done. Mm -hmm. Um, And I resisted it. And then, yeah, and then the, the seed planted and it started to grow and I stepped into living my life more in a B mode than a do mode. Um, so I had the exact same response that you had and it's because of what we're conditioned to. Right? Yes. Yeah. And I feel for me there's been such a beautiful journey in the transition to motherhood of this awakening of my feminine energy as my mm-hmm. core energy and living most of my life unaware of that that my Mm -hmm. core energy actually wants to be cherished and treasured and safe and held. And I, I created out of a sense of safety, all of these masculine adaptions to hide this very, um, this very sacred part of who I am. And I think the more that I have And it's so funny because I used to say, like, I never want to be a mom or that's five years away. You know, it was never on my radar ever. And you knew that as well. And then when it happened, it was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. I'm a mom. (laughs) Um, And it was that catalyst of like, okay, well, you can continue living out this misalignment or you can go to work on all the reasons why you've created these adaptions and get to know who you really are beneath all of that. And I will honor that as a very sacred journey in um, that period of my life. But I'm curious for you what that has felt like to really come back into your divine feminine energy and what you do to really nurture and nourish that. Oh, 
Um, so for me, it was probably shifting my mindset really from doing to being that allowed me to step more into that feminine energy. Um, and so it's giving myself permission. And initially, it's really interesting. I actually had to ask my mum for permission because my mum, growing up, mum was always getting shit done. You know, like she'd be up at 6.30 in the morning. I'd get up, you know, get to get ready to go to school. She'd vacuum, she'd mop, she'd polish the wood furniture. The breakfast was done. Lunches were made like... She was on task constantly. Um, and when I was an adult, I was I, I followed those same traits. Um, and then I remember being, I remember, I, did, I don't think I expressly said, like, can you give me permission to just be? But she'd start saying things to me like, you know, you don't have to be go, go, go all the time. You can just stop and, you know, just chill out. And that started to give me permission. So for me, it's space. It's time. Um, it's being able to go for a walk and notice the leaves, you know, wandering along the footpath, the wind. Um, it's, you know, being able to sit with Lockie and listen to his giggle. Um, it's just, it's time and space um, to just be. It's time mm. for me to be able to sit and meditate or stretch my body through some yoga. Mm. Um those are the things that really honor me and it should, and it's different for everyone. I mean, you know, everyone has their own things that allow them to, to tune into that part of themselves. But it's also knowing that I, it's also allowing myself to be vulnerable with that side of myself, with people where it's safe to be. Mm. Um, because otherwise it doesn't like, I don't get to express that side of me. Mm. So being able to express it and be in it and you know, because I think quite often, like you were saying before, you'd kind of touch your feminine side away and were, and your masculine energies had become dominant. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, that's just the society that we live in where those masculine traits of doing and achieving and striving and, you know, all those things are what are valued by mm -hmm. society. Um, and so we tuck our feminine sides away. So for me, it's also to be able to know that there is a space where I can let that side out. Mm. Um, and the masculine doesn't have the value, the feminine has the value mm. um, is really important. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That was a really big transition for me um, out of that masculine energy dominating to that feminine energy leading of like actually mm. – I'm going to choose to create the space and time, like you say, to be, and there's so many, so many bridges to do that. I mean, like you say, deep presence outside is like the quickest thing. I love doing the hugs. Yeah. And yeah. at the top of the hugs, I'm like, I'm fully here with God. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's like beauty, wonder, or just like total like magic in the presence. Yeah. Um, but even, you know, ceremonial cacao, breath work, mm -hmm. journaling, meditating, like dance. There's so many different bridges that we can build for ourselves into that, that being space. And I think for me, practicing that over time has meant, you know, in my business, in my parenting, in my relationships, I first sit in the stillness and connect inward for you know, what is the intuitive vision? What is the intuitive direction here? What is my felt sense? 
from that feminine place of the direction here. Mm -hmm. And then the masculine energy comes in to execute that vision. Mm -hmm. And that is such a significant shift in how I operate in my life. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I would just be like, at kind of this go, go, go and responding to input from my external environment, whether that's experts, research, opportunity, threats, you know, and then kind of operating from there. Mm -hmm. But this transition has just been so juicy because it has created the most aligned relationships, opportunities, and deep, intimate and connected spaces for me with Malachi, but also the people in my life to show up in the most authentic way. Like there is a fucking galaxy inside of us with all of our own unique answers to the ways that we're being called to show up in life. And I think there's such a beautiful invitation to close down our eyes and tap into that galaxy and see what we can see and how we can then bring that into the world with our eyes open. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on all of that. What's your felt sense? Um, well, firstly, I just want to say it has been such a privilege to watch you do that journey. You know, like I knew you when you were very go, 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 masculine, do, 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 achieve, you know, onto the next thing. And to see the transition over the last, what, two years um, into this much more felt um way of living where you're 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 living life more from your heart Mm. than from your brain um Mm. and you're also living life more from what you want rather than what people expect from you um Mm. you know like it was always Gemma's this massive achiever you know she's had this label put on her and this glass ceiling put over her and you were smashing through it again and again and again and I think you now like then you got to put where you're like actually I don't need to keep smashing through I've proven myself and now Mm -hmm. I can just do my thing um (laughs) and it's just been so beautiful to watch oh thank you Um, sister and so inspiring too because you always learn new things watching someone you know being able to watch and to the fat with someone else as they're, you know, journeying. Um, mm. You definitely always, you know, find new little nuggets that you can bring into your own world. Um, in terms of me for my felt sense, um, for me it's coming back into connecting mind and body. For me it's sitting on my yoga mat and stretching. It's doing some breath work. It's yeah for me it's very much about that um you know at night most nights I chuck a meditation on which will be like a winding down going into sleep breathing meditate breath work meditation and that for me makes a massive difference in my sleep and my ability to go to sleep um Mm. because quite often it can take me a while to go to sleep um so yeah it's it's coming back into my body and connecting my mind back into my body not just having my mind off here doing this thing and not and my body not really attached to it Mm, that really resonates because it's like that feminine energy is embodied it's not in the head it's not Mm -hmm. egoic it's felt and so that that really resonates and I love your framing on that like connecting the the body and the mind and just the discipline to do that, I guess, in a world that really glamorizes and 
perpetuates these mm-hmm. masculine dominated ways of being um well doing really so mm-hmm. and thank you for that acknowledgement you have seen me through so many chapters <laughs> i oh, love look, that we get to know, do life yeah absolutely together <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, God, you've seen me through a hell of a lot of chapters too. (laughs) Yes, yes. And that is the beauty, I think, of really fostering connections and relationships in your life where you allow yourself to be seen in the mess Mm -hmm. and you allow yourself to be witnessed in the unfolding of what is, where you're fully surrendered and are like, fuck, I've got no idea, but I'm a a mess and will you see me here? And what I love about you have such a fantastic skill, Rach, at really validating and being with discomfort rather than pushing the solution on the problem, you know? And I, I just, you know, this episode is about the new paradigm of leadership and we've been touching on so many elements, surrender, masculine and feminine energy, spiritual development, um, even energetic hygiene and like, you know, embodiment. There's so many golden nuggets here already. Um, and, you know, speaking into the new paradigm of leadership, one of the qualities that I really honor within you is your ability to hold space, share space, in the void or in the unfolding of something or in the chaos or in just like the pits of hell even, you know, and I see that as a real, a real gift of leadership. And I wondered if you could share a little bit into what brought you into a space of holding that as a gift and the value that it has provided, I guess, in the lives of people that you've been able to share that with. How did I get there? I mean, I think it's just, you know, the journey of life. I don't think there's any two or three particular things. It's just the experiences that I've been through. Um, I think for me, it's a, it's about the answer doesn't matter. Like, it's about the what you are experiencing in this moment and whatever that is, whether that is joy and absolute, you know, um, you know, the happiest feelings or whether it's distress and heartbreak or whatever it is, it's about honouring that moment and not looking for a solution. Because in a lot of cases, there is no solution. It's just about it's just about feeling through things. Mm. Um, and so it's, interest, it's, it's actually really interesting to me to have you reflect things back on, like back to me about what you see as things that I, you know, traits that I have, um, because this isn't one that I've really thought a lot about, but it's really interesting because I don't like people trying to give me the answer or the solution. Like if I'm going through something in my life and I'm try- and I'm discussing it with someone, I don't want them to try and solve it for me. I'll need to just get it out so that I can externalize it and then, the, and then I'll move through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much an internal processor, but there comes a point with most things where I need to externalize it and get it out. And generally the process of that means that it starts to become a little bit clearer for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I think it's just the way that I've adapted through life mm-hmm. um, and the way that I've just become. Um, I do really value the ability to hold space for people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for people to know that 
with me as a safe space. And potentially that comes from my own experiences not feeling like that, uh, there has been a safe space for me mm-hmm. and therefore wanting to ensure that other people know that there is always a safe space for them. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, like yeah. there's definitely been times where I've been like, I can't talk to people about this because it doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be ridiculed. People are going to think I'm an idiot um, for getting to this, you know, for getting into this particular situation or part place in my life or whatever it might be. And that's not a nice place for anyone to be. So I, yeah, like I, whenever someone comes to me with anything going on in their life, I always try to make sure I come from a place of love and acceptance and never a place of trying to solve it because to me, often the answers that you give create judgment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's it's such an incredible way to honour someone as a transformative being. Like actually you are self-sovereign. You have everything you need inside of you. Mm-hmm. You can get through this. You don't need someone outside of you to give you the answers and tell you the five next steps. Mm -hmm. And it's actually okay to be where you are because that is where you are. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's something so potent about that as a form of helping. Cause I think a lot of times our helping is centered on how we feel afterwards. Like, Oh, I, I really gave them something, you know? Yeah. Whereas what I love about your approach in sharing space, holding space, um, is that you decenter yourself and you really allow that person to be with their transformative nature, which is evolving, which is learning and creative and curious but it takes that safety of like, yep, I, I see you right where you are and it's okay that you're there and I'm here with you next to you, you know? And I think that's such an interesting paradigm shift with this, um, you know, with the helpers or the givers or the leaders or the creatives or whatever, how safety becomes so centered in that, um, in that way of being of service. So, Yeah, I thought that was just an interesting space to dive into. And I was curious as well, like what you see as the new paradigm of leadership from your worldview. Mm. I've just had some stuff drop in from what you're just saying. So I'm going to go to that first and then I'll come to this. Yes. So the other thing, like you you just said about how people often try to solve it and then it's like, oh, I helped someone. But I think also there's an element of trying to give the answer to meet your own needs in terms of validating your own decisions or things that you have chosen in your life. So I think there's a whole other piece there, like, oh, well, they should do this. And then if they do that, then that validates what that I did that. Um, and it almost is serving like the ego um, right. as well. And also that whole, yeah, it's being of service to people. Again, like, are you doing it because – are you doing it authentically and from a genuine space or are you doing it because it makes you feel good to help people and therefore it's feeding your ego? Like, let's just get real. Um, yeah. <laughs> and guilty. Like, I've done this uh, yeah. for so yeah. many years. And then I'm like, sweetie, decenter yourself. Like, yeah. You are no. not the hero in this story. Like, no. they, it's their story. Yes. Um, you're like an outlying extra. Um. So, yeah, so there was, I just needed to like do that bit. Um, yes. So, then what's the question? What is my take on the new paradigm of leader? 
Yeah, of new paradigm of leadership. Um, I think it's just about, to me, it's almost stepping back to empower others to step forward. Um, when I look back on my life, like I definitely have leadership qualities and I always, like for as long as I can remember, I always have, you know, at primary school on school camp, it was like Rach was the team leader. You know, like I've always had a ability to bring people together, um, to achieve a task, like that sort of stuff that is quite often associated with leadership. Um, but I think in my in, in my life now, to me it's about stepping, like almost, I don't want to say leaving the ladder down for the next person because it sounds like I'm, a, you know, a head above other people and I don't see myself that way at all. Um, but it's about being able to authentically have courageous, open conversations so that other people, so that it empowers other people to do the same. Mm. You know, like the more open and vulnerable that I am, the more open and vulnerable um, the, the person who I'm having a conversation with or the person who's listening to me will hopefully, you know, hopefully that will enable them to be able to be more open and courageous and vulnerable and that allows them to step up into their authentic self. And when you're in your authentic being, like, you know, your inner leadership goes, you know, it shines through. But I suppose it's also about knowing, like, change, like, shifting the definition of what leadership is. Mm. Um, oh, wait, you know, the it, magic wand. Let's raise <laughs> the magic wand. What is, what is the definition of leadership that feels good in your body? I feel like I need to say something really like profound and just like say it one take and it's so not going to happen, but I'll get there. I'll, you know, if, like I'll work through it. So to me, leadership is being able to, like for, for, like when I think about myself, like if I reflect back on the person, the leader that I hope I am in, in my life, it's someone who, supports others to help them grow to be the best that they can be mm. no matter what context whether that's at work whether that's me helping you know um kids at kindy um whether it's with my my friends and my my peers it's about sharing whatever i have to support them so that they can they can step into whatever it is that is their it, that that defines their best self or their best life or whatever it looks yeah. like. Um, you know, like I think it's very different to what I grew up with where a leader was, you know, someone who portrayed these five traits. You know, they could, you know, bring a team together. They could ensure a task was done. You know, like I think there's still very much the term leadership, I think for a lot of people still very much has those old school like 80s like um, traits around it. Mm -hmm. Whereas it has like, you know, for a lot for other people it has shifted a long way and leadership means something completely different and I think mm. there's a disconnect mm -hmm. I don't think that everyone is potentially on the same and maybe everyone doesn't need to be I don't know yeah um but but yeah for me it is about sharing the gifts experiences skills whatever it is the 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 space that I have whatever it is with other people mm -hmm. um to help enable them to step into their their whatever it is that they want to step into Mm. And it's not, 
and that's not necessarily about them achieving something, you know, because it's not about doing. It's about, It could be that they, they step down from a role to go and volunteer at whatever, 10 hours a week and spend the rest of their time doing whatever. You know, like, I think we really need to think about what success looks like very differently and what, you know, like... It, it's it's it it's it, it saddens me that some if someone worked forty hours a week in a CEO role and they stepped down to go and volunteer fifteen hours a week somewhere and then you know paint some canvases or do their gardens or whatever it might be that they're going to be looked at like they've lost something mm. they haven't lost anything mm-hmm. it's just that they're living their authentic life and and no longer living to the rules of what society says life should look like in order to be happy like yes yes let's let's normalize defining our own success and i feel like what you're saying like the more that the more that we can give ourselves that permission slip and live it and be it the more it sparks conversation because it's like, hang on, weren't you there and now you're here? Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> Tell yeah. me more, you know, and people will take it or leave it. It'll plant a seed and that seed may get watered a bit later and it may not fully sprout for decades to come, mm-hmm. but you've done your part in that moment of uh, embodying and being more of what you want to see in the world, I guess. And yeah, I really, really like the way that you framed that leadership can take many forms and that real conscious shift from that old paradigm of like, yeah, those five, say the five qualities of leaders <laughs> through to being more of a, um, is it soft skills? I don't know, like psychological yeah. safety and mm. authenticity. And yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting space to explore explore because I've also learned over the years as well with my own vulnerability that not everyone has the skill set to meet me there Mm. and that this has been a really hard learning because it's mean it's meant for me at times I have been overexposed in an environment that then sets me up to be manipulated controlled or abused and I didn't know this I didn't know this at the time but this huge learning for me around actually where do I get to be authentic? Where do I get to be strategic and be very aware of the cost of being strategic at the same time as being aware of the cost of being authentic and to not close my heart to love. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's just so fascinating to really explore like what is the skill set that someone needs to have in order to meet you where you are, what does that look like and sound like? Like, as I say those words, like what would be mm. the skill set that someone would need to carry for you to discern if this is a space where I can be real? That question's never come up. I'm so excited to <laughs> explore this. I think... So there's definitely a piece in there that's about the the the, the level of a, of knowledge that you have of yourself, like and how far you can go when it's still safe. Mm-hmm. You know, like like 
I know in different situations, I gauge how far out, like how far over the cliff can I lean before I'm going to fall? Like, what's my safety harness look like in this group? Have I got a safety harness or do I need to stay, you know, 10 feet back from the edge of the cliff? Mm -hmm. Um, Because if I step further forward, then it's likely I could fall. Um, And I... (sighs) I think that's about, well, for, for me, I'm very much a processor and I'm very much an observer. So when I'm in a, like a group situation, I'll sit back and I'll observe and I'll see, unless I'm like, you know, facilitating or leading or whatever, but I'll tend in a group situation to kind of sit back and I'll observe mm-hmm. and I'll see where everyone else is at and try and meet them there. And if I feel safe, I might push to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um but if for any reason my intuition is telling me that it's not safe, then I then I won't. And there have been times where I have, and I've you know mm-hmm. gotten hurt. Um, and so it's just the taking the lessons from that, but also knowing that if I get hurt, it's not the end of the world because I have the mm. skills within me to to to, to work through that. Mm. Um, however, because of that hurt, it means that I might go into the next situation slightly differently, mm-hmm. um, and that's I trauma. Love that. it, you know, trauma mm. changes your future response to a situation. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, tra- trauma, I think, still has lots of connotations about, you know, like there's all different sorts of trauma. And to, to, I think we're getting starting to get better at acknowledging that, that that trauma can be simply the way that someone responds to you in a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that that makes you feel can be a trauma and therefore change the way that you respond to a future situation. And so that's the way that I've really reframed trauma. Actually, my cousin told me that definition and it's really helped me reframe trauma. Um, so I think having those traumatic experiences almost then allows you to have the skills to gauge a situation in the, you know, the next time you go into something. Um, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I love this conversation. It's like the initiation is life. Like life will create the initiations for us. It's like what, what I think I would certainly love to see more of is in our education system, the normalization of (laughs) the stuff that you actually need in those initiations, Mm. not algebra, but like, Mm. What is the skill set that is required to have a deep connection to your intuition and inner knowing? Mm. How do you develop your authentic self? How do you know who that is and how do you live Mm -hmm. that out? And what do you do? How do you practice discernment when life presents these experiences and uh, there is a fork in the road? Like how do you Mm -hmm. notice those forks? Mm-hmm. Um, and what does it look like to build meaningful reciprocal relationships with people who honor your light and actually actively care for it in the ways yeah. that you relate together, not try and put that light out. And I don't know, just all these other things that I feel like, mm. you know, I'm learning now and I'm just like, wow, how to regulate that stress response or how to even identify if you're in a stress response. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so fascinating to explore that, especially like in the workplace or in our parenting, mm-hmm. like we don't just turn that all off when we do life, like that's where no. it comes on. So what does it look like for us to take personal responsibility for that? And what is the responsibility of like systems and um, 
places where where communities are to actually um, own their role and how this is normalized and how people are really supported to stay well. So, mm-hmm. mm. Mm, absolutely. And I mean, for me, for me, the growth always comes back to reflection. Um, like if a, if if a um if a situation happens and I don't reflect on it, then to me, there's no growth from it. Um, I love that. And so knowing that by, you know, like if, you know, I have a, a, a certain, I mean, for example, you know, Lockie, um, my son, like the other night, not sleeping, I start getting frustrated um, and then he's, you know, not going to calm down and, and be okay because he can feel that my heartbeat racing and that tension coming off me. Um, but if I don't reflect on that, then I'm never going to learn from that situation to, to to then hopefully be able to do better next time. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I will do better next time because I'm not perfect and sometimes it can take multiple times. But mm. if there wasn't that reflection, then there, was, then there isn't the awareness that mm. there is the ability to do it differently. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah, so for me, reflection is huge. So, you know, if I have a situation that happens and it ends up not being safe, then I would reflect on that so that I could take some learnings from it so that next time I'm better at discerning the safety of that space. Oh, yes, I love that. What would be some questions for people listening? Like say they're like, okay, cool, I want to bring more reflection in. Um, Like three questions people could ask themselves to start this as a practice. Well, I mean, to me, the first thing is how did you feel in that moment? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, really going back into into the, like, how did I feel? Um, why did I feel that way? Um, and then I suppose the other thing is what happened around me? Like, why did I feel that way from my, like, internally but also externally? So was it my own stuff coming up that was triggered or that that or or was it something external coming in that created that response and those feelings in me? Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, kind of working out. Okay, so do I like that feeling? No, yes, no, mm-hmm. I don't. Okay, so next time, you know, and just kind of reflecting and pondering on, yeah, how it felt, yeah, and then how you caught there, and then you know, next time, hopefully, you could the situation might go a little bit differently. It might not. Yes. You know, look, but you've got the awareness. You'll have a frame of, you'll have language to describe what took place the last time. Even just yeah. the noticing of like, I'm noticing I'm not feeling good or like I'm noticing yeah. that this is that situation again. Like even having that awareness is huge. And I feel like with that awareness, you then have the opportunity to communicate a need, an unmet mm-hmm. need, whether that's to yourself to go and do something yeah. for yourself with yourself, by yourself, or in relation to another person of like, actually mm-hmm. in this dynamic, what I need is a conversation around this thing that's taking place. And I I feel like learning to have the language for your own needs and then mm-hmm. the bravery and courage to communicate them, like that's life-changing shit right there. <laughs> Absolutely. And also knowing that it's okay to take the time to process it as well. I think quite often 
now it's very much like if you don't do something immediately you've missed your chance mm. it's like actually no if you need to if you need to feel into something for a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. like really work through it and process it then you can still have a conversation around it if that feels safe for you um yeah. or you know journal around it to, to to still be able to externalize it but in a safe way um mm-hmm. or speak to it about it with someone who maybe wasn't part of that that space who you can you know just sit and have a safe conversation with mm. um yeah but it's, I think yeah it's really going back into your feelings sitting back down into your feelings and thinking how did that feel in my body and what mm. feeling does that bring up for me and is that a nice thing that I, or is it something I, you know, do I want to experience that again or not? Mm-hmm. Um, is really key. I love that rage. Back in the body. Back in the, the body knows. Back in the, the body. The body knows. Um, I love this. So we are coming up to the end of this episode. But oh, really? before, I know, I've had so much fun with you. And I feel like this will be such a juicy one for everyone listening because there's been so many practical things oh, um, for people to pick up and try on. My last question is, Mm. do you feel in your heart that there's anything else you want to speak into relating to any topic we've talked about today or the new paradigm of leadership? I mean, if I was to leave, you know, the listeners with one thing, it would just be to be kind to yourself. Um, You know, we are human beings and shit happens and we react to things in different ways. I'm by no means perfect and none of us are and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But to show yourself grace and compassion gives yourself then the space to be able to reflect and grow. Whereas if you're being really hard on yourself, then, and, and, um, you know, push... um, you know, speaking really negatively about yourself and really pushing yourself down, then you're you're not going to be able to do that reflection um, mm. to change things going forward. So, the more kindness, grace, and compassion that you can show yourself, I think, yeah, the 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 you know, the better that you'll find things go. And then from there, then you start stepping into like gratitude and intentions and manifestations. And But the first step, in my opinion, is showing yourself some love, grace and, and compassion. Because mm-hmm. um, without that, like you just, you're, you're going to be stuck in, you know, a never ending loop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that would probably be my last Ooh. words. <laughs> ah, right in the feels. <laughs> thank you Rach thank you so thank much you. for creating the space in oh, your you. life with Lockie and running a business and doing a lot of things if people want to connect with you what's the best way um, so you can find me on Facebook or Instagram um, either search for Rach Bauer or my business page is Kamala NZ um, yeah so yeah feel free to hit me up with any questions um, yeah I'd love to hear from people Yay! Okay, and also shout out to the beautiful mandalas you have been creating. I gifted my mum one for Mother's Day, and she went and legit purchased a $500 frame to put it in, (laughs) as well as, like, a plaque with the meaning of the crystal, and it has been, like, the most beautiful bridge with me and my mom and like just such a beautiful place of connection and so I really want to honor you and celebrate you for the creativity that's moving through you at the moment with those beautiful mandalas I love to hear that 
Yes, for everyone listening, if you love mandalas and just crystals and like creativity from the heart, definitely check out Kamala because we've got some beautiful offerings on there. Um, But that's it for this episode. Thank you so much to everyone who has tuned in. And, you know, the invitation I think from this episode is really how do we come back into our bodies and notice how things feel And so let's not move from this podcast to the next one. Let's just take a moment to really notice how we felt and an invitation today to notice how you feel and the different experiences that you're having in your life and to follow Rachel's invitation to reflect. So thank you so much to everyone for tuning in and I will see you next time. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to invite you to stop what you're doing right now and really reflect on what's landed for you in this episode. What was your aha moment? Write that down and turn it into an actionable goal for you to shift your reality. Inspiration without action leaves you where you were before this episode. So gift yourself this moment for change. If you've enjoyed the episode, please review the podcast. It really helps us grow the reach. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you have a topic you'd like to hear more about, please slide into my DMs on Instagram at the underscore Gemma underscore Rose. See you next time. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.